Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about necessary truths for our times. Necessary truths for our times. I began to think about this. How many of you know when a minister begins to prepare, they pray, hopefully, get before God. It's not just something I want to do. And I feel like I've heard from the Lord. And I want to share these things with you today. I may not get to every one. It seems like I never get to every point that I want. But I believe that we will say the things that God once said here today to help you, to equip you, to empower you, to motivate you, and to inspire you. Every time we come to church, we want to be changed. Do you understand what I mean? Well, I'm already a Christian, yes. But there's so much more to our spiritual lives than, than only coming into the kingdom. We come into the kingdom, and then when we get through that door of salvation, there's so much more that God wants to equip us with. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And when I said necessary, I'm talking about imperative truths for our times. What, what are our times? Our times really are the end times. Everything that we can see from the Word of God and understand, we're living in the last days. And there's no doubt about that. But I do not think that it is a mistake that we were born in the time that we were. You know, I, I look at myself sometimes and, you know, my age, and it was like, oh my goodness, how could that happen so quick? But it does. You know, time flies, you know what I'm talking about. Many of you identify with that. But see, we were born just at the right time. And God has a purpose for us being born. You say, well, I should have been born, you know, in the 1800s. You know, I should have been born in the early 1900s at Azusa Street or whatever, you know, the great outpouring in our nation. But we were born at the right time in the right place. I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wherever you were born, it was the right place. God had that planned. And so we can look around us in our times that we live in, and we can just be just shocked. We can be astounded. We can be overcome with what's going on to the point where fear comes upon us. But God hasn't called us to fear in the time that we live in. He's called us to be His children that when the darkness comes in and the darkness envelops the earth and gross darkness, the King James says, sets upon the people and that severe mental depression. And when that oppression and depression comes upon the people, look, it's our time to rise and shine. Now, I want to say this to you. I want every one of you to listen very closely to me. I am not talking only to the person that's on your left or right. I am talking to you. It is your time to arise. At, well, I'm just this and I'm just that. And make excuse for this and excuse for no excuses. There'll be no excuses when we stand before God. Well, I can't speak. You remember Moses tried that. Didn't work, did it? Well, it's not going to work for you either or me. 
No excuses. We were born for such a time as this. Just like Queen Esther was born for that time to deliver her people, we are born to deliver the people. That's what we're here for. Amen. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to Luke 21. And we're going to look at verse number 25. Okay, it says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon. And he says, And upon the earth distress of nations. Now this word distress means trouble and anguish in the nations. I was watching something the other day. And I was watching, you know, the famine that is in different nations. Things that are going on, the genocide, they say, in the Sudan and different places. You know, there's vexation, there's trouble, there's anguish in nations everywhere. Is there not trouble and anguish in the United States of America? Well, you know, if you think everything is great right now, you better get your head out of the hole because there's things going on that are so contrary to the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and it's bringing in a flood tide of evil, wickedness, and perversion. And so there's, uh, there's trouble in the nations. And he goes on to say, with perplexity. It's very interesting as you look at that word perplexity. It, it really, uh, it has to do, there are no answers. There's no way out. There's no solutions that can be found. And people are just shaking their heads. They're looking around. What do we do? What do we do? Well, folks, I'm going to tell you something. All this is going on, and it's going to continue to go on. But we do have an answer, and his name is Jesus. And when they're looking around for answers and they're looking for solutions, guess what? Here we are to declare our God is a way maker. Amen. When there is no way... He makes a way. When the wilderness is before you and it looks like all the forest and the trees and everything is before you, how do you get on to the other side? The way maker. He makes a way through the wilderness. He'll blaze a trail and he'll use you to do it. Amen. Oh, well, that's not too, well, it's just the way it is. Okay, the sea and the waves roaring. Now, Someone said that has to do with mankind. The sea is representative of mankind, and that really could be. But I also believe the sun, the moon, the stars, and the sea, I think it also means, you know, there's upheaval in, in the uh, nature, you know, and that kind of thing. And that's what we're, you know, the tsunami that took place just a few years back that brought such devastation. Oh my, oh my goodness. There's trouble everywhere. Amen. There's chaos in the earth. And then he goes on to say in verse number 26, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Men's hearts failing them for fear. There's a lot of fear in the earth today. But here I believe he's really talking about a heart attack epidemic because there's so many things going on. There's so many pressures in life and so much that we have to deal with that 
our body under the weight of that just gives out and their hearts fail them. We as God's people, we don't want to have to fall in that category because we have been given everything that we need in this life to be an overcomer. He's caused us to overcome. He causes us to triumph in one situation, in two situations. No, he says he always causes us to triumph, not in ourselves, not in our ability, not in our knowledge, but he causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. That's how we get the victory into our life. You try to do it any other way. I've tried it before. I've tried to do it on my own. I didn't do so good. How about you? Well, I did okay. Well, you just wait because you won't because it's not about you. It's about something that's greater and bigger than you, and it's God Almighty himself that wants to put us over. Amen? Now listen to this. The Message Bible takes number 26, a portion of it, and it says, all hell has broken loose. The world's in a panic, and the wind knocked out of them by the threat of doom. You see, that's where we are. And so this morning, when I'm going to share with you the necessary truths in our times, that's what I'm talking about. We're in chaotic times. We're in times where doom and gloom is on every side. So how does the child of God in the midst of that lift up their head and look to the Lord and look for the redemption that is to come? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit, okay? So you just hold on here. I was reading in 2 Chronicles 20, uh, verse number, or chapter number 20 recently, and I began to read about King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat uh, was in Judah and the people of Judah, and there were different enemies, not just one, but different armies of enemies that were coming against them. And they knew that they were coming, so what they did is they pulled themselves apart and the king declared a time of prayer and fasting. And he got before the Lord and he began to seek the Lord for deliverance. In the day that we live in, we need to seek the Lord for deliverance. Now listen to this. King Jehoshaphat, he, he began to brag upon the Lord. He began to say, he, he's done it before and he'll do it again. He's done it before and he'll do it again. He'll deliver his people. He began to brag upon the Lord and talk about what God had done for his people and what he was going to do again. But he made a statement and he said, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, many times that's where I am. I don't know what to do. But I know the one that lives in me knows what to do. And that's why we say we don't know what to do. But we're not left in that situation. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. Yes, you do. You may not know what the answer, the specific answer is. But he said, I don't know what to do. But I prayed, I fasted, I sought the Lord, and I'm keeping my eyes upon you. Will you remember that? Will you remember that even in times where you don't know what to do? Get your eyes on Jesus because he is going to show you the way out. No one else might not see the way to escape, but you will see it. You will understand it. 
when your eyes are on him. See, many times Christians even, the world of course, but even Christians, we've got our eyes, every, we, you know, we got our eyes on the checkbook and we got our eyes on the statistics and we got our eyes on this. Now, are those things irrelevant or unimportant? No, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta tend to things, you gotta do things, but there's a higher power. And, and you know, I look at my checkbook and it says this, but I say, my God, meets my need according to his riches in glory. He wants me to prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. I talked to that checkbook. I want to tell you a story. What we did years, this has been years, years ago. And our church, there was a split in our church. A, an, a, an associate that we had, he split our church right at the time where we bought this building. And it was horrible. Because about 200 people walked out the door. Now, they didn't necessarily go with him, but there were just enough, you know, uh, strife and, and gossip and all that kind of thing that, you know, filled people's minds and hearts. And so they exited. And we had just bought this building and we had, you know, a huge payment that we had to make and responsibilities just to keep the ministry running and everything. And we found ourselves, we didn't know what to do, but our eyes were on God. We got that checkbook out. Now, we really did this. We got the checkbook out, and we laid it in the accounting office, and we stuck a tape in there that was speaking prosperity and blessing and increase, and we let that play all the time, all the time, all the time, speaking to our checkbook. You say, well, how ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you how ridiculous it was. All the money, which was a large amount, came in. Now, how did it come in? We didn't talk about it. We didn't tell people what was going on. So it wasn't any of that. God began to move. That's what God began to move upon people who would be obedient. See, you know, God, if he moves upon people who won't be obedient, what good is that to the kingdom? But he moves upon people who will be obedient. And so I want to tell you that need was met. And we didn't go around hinting over here, well, you know, this, that, we didn't do any of that. We trusted God. Now, is there anything wrong if we needed to stand up and say to the congregation, there's a need here? No, we do it all the time. But that was not one of those times. There was troubling, troubling times. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. We were doing everything we could to stand. We didn't want to stand. We wanted to sit and just say, okay. But we did not. We didn't give up. And don't you give up either. Amen? Now, I tell you that to encourage you. Amen? Jesus is our hope, and he's our deliverer. He's our redeemer. He's our redemption. Can you say amen? Today, we're going to focus um, on some directions for these days, okay? I'm gonna, there, there are five truths. I may not get to everyone. I'm sure I won't get to everyone, but I'm going to tell you what they are that I feel like in, in my estimation, the important five truths. Now, could there be more? Yes. Could there be others if someone else was preaching? Yes, but I'm me and this is me and this is God pouring through me, okay? All right, so the five truths are that we need to take advantage of opportunities. 
We need to seize opportunities as God gives them to us. Number two, we need to handle worry and stress. You remember we read over here about men's hearts failing them. We need to take our God-given position. Each of us has a position in Christ. We need to take that position. We need to be the fourth biblically-minded Be biblically minded. And then the fifth one is we need to practice our faith. Not just talk about it. Not just read about it. But we need to practice it. It needs to be incorporated into our life. You know, there's certain things in this church that we incorporate into the body life. It becomes a part of what we do. In our own personal lives, in our spiritual walk with the Lord, there are things that we need to incorporate in and they need to be a part of our life. Now, this first truth, I'm going, to be, I'm going to just elaborate on it a little bit. It is taking advantage of the opportunities. In Romans 13, 11, uh, it's very interesting what it says there. And we're going to look at that so you can go ahead and turn your Bibles there. But it says, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Now, I believe that this is a word to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a word to each of us who sit here. And, and I look at it from the way I look at it. You may not, but the way I look at it, it is a warning. It is a warning to me to know that I can walk with God and I can be on fire for God. I can have a passion in my heart. And I have, I do have a passion in my heart. I do have a fire in my heart. And it's been there for many years, but there's a warning. And just because it's been there does not mean that it's going to continue there. Some of you, the fire of God is waned in your life. The passion that you had for the Lord is waned in your life. Now, we're not, you know, when you first get filled with the Holy Spirit and first find out about, you know, spiritual things, of course you're very excited. You know, of course you're very enthusiastic. But, and and that may change in some degree, but to think that, oh, well, I'm mature now, so I don't act like that anymore. No, I have fire in my belly. I have passion in my heart. And I've been walking this way a long time. And I don't want it to be different. However, I know it could if I wanted to lay it down. And I wanted to just begin to get my attention off of spiritual things, off of the Lord, and start getting involved in so many things that I have no time for God. That could happen, and it can happen to you. Now, and maybe, maybe that's where you are this morning, but I'm here to encourage you, don't let it stay that way. Amen. Knowing the time. See, he said, uh, the sons of Issachar, what did they do? They understood the times. Know the times. Understand the time that you're living in is the last days. That it is now, it is high time to awake out of sleep. This word awake means to be alert. It's time to get, you know, sometimes we're just oblivious. You know what I'm saying? We're, you know, and, and, and this can happen. 
in our lives, in, in church life, in the body life of the church. We'll just be going along. We're just, you know, we've got, we're all caught up in what we're doing and what's going on in our life and our family and our job and all that. And we come into church, we're sitting next to someone and they are hurting so badly they can hardly hold their head up. You shake hands with somebody and you just have great compassion, but you don't have time for that. You know, you got to go on. We're just oblivious. See, we got to awake. Awake out of sleep. This word sleep has to do with being stagnant. See, one thing that the enemy tries to do is he tries to make the church stagnant. You know what happens to water when there's, you know, no stream in, no stream out, no flowing. And, 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 and it, 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 it gets really bad, doesn't it? It smells bad, looks bad, it's all murky. And see, when we get stagnant in our spiritual life, it stinks. So he said, wake up out of your sleep and out of your slumber. Shake yourself out of it. You know, the Bible says, listen to this, stir up. I guess I woke somebody up this morning. <laughs> stir up the gift that is within you. He didn't tell me to stir your gift up, although I think that's going to happen. As you said under the word and people preach the word of God, it stirs you up if you allow it to. All right. Now listen to this out of the message Bible. Verse number 11, don't get absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day -day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, now here's this word, oblivious to God. You see, you get exhausted, you're absorbed with everything that's, how do you, how do you balance life? People talk to me all the time about that. How do, you, how do you balance all the responsibilities? You know, I look at my own life, ministry, um, you know, all the things that I do ministry-wise, which take place mainly out of here, but then there are times I do things that are in the sanctuary related to prayer, sharing the word, and all those kinds of things. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I have my own personal life, I, you know, that I need to take care of, all of that. And, and it's like sometimes like you're in a juggling act. And you all know what I'm talking about, men and women. It's both that way. The men, you have different responsibilities, but it can be the same way. The women in particular, you're trying to raise kids. If you've got kids at home, trying to work a job, cook the meals, clean the clothes, la-da-da-da-da-da-da. I mean, on and on. That's why you need to work together, husbands and wives, to help one another. Well, I work all day. Well, she does too. In most cases, women work today out, outside of the home. But if, even if you're in the home, you certainly work. That's, you know, that's for sure. So we get absorbed. And we get exhausted through all this happening. And if we know it, to be forewarned is what? To be forearmed. And if we know that, then we begin to do things about it. And listen to this, the night is about over and the dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. Be up and awake to what God is doing. Well, I'm a, I'm a teenager, I'm a young person, you know, I'm in high school, I'm going to college, I'm doing, I, listen, 
He didn't put an age group in here. This is for every believer because it hits every one of us. We can get exhausted and we can get absorbed in day-to-day living and activities. Now, the New Living Bible, verse number 12 through 14 says, to remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties, drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity, immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what I want you to see, all of what I just read is related to a waking out of sleep. And all of that. See, we can be asleep related to all these things. Well, we we don't need to talk about sin. Well, I know lots of people are doing it, but we do need to mention that sin is sin. That's not being said too much anymore, and I know it's unpopular. I I know it doesn't warm your heart and, you know, do all that. but, But it's still important that we deal with things like this because it's these kinds of things that make us go to sleep spiritually. There's lethargy and apathy that's being placed and sprayed out upon the earth in the day that we live in. It's a mist of darkness from hell itself, and it causes God's people to sleep and slumber and say, oh, tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. There may not be a tomorrow. Do it today. See, I'm talking about necessary truths and taking advantage of your opportunities. Now, priority is important when you talk about the opportunities that come. I think that we need to think about this and and we need to balance it. The first thing I think we need to prioritize in our life is our family. Okay, now somebody said, well, you know, the, uh, you know, the Lord, your relationship, well, that's a given. But I'm talking about living in this life, you need to prioritize your family. God has given you a spouse, and he has given you children. And you are to take care of those children. You're to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Train them toward their gifting and their bent that God has given them. That is really, really important. It seems like today there's so many people that are not raising their children. They're jerking them up. And whatever they want to do, they do. Wherever they want to go, they go. Whatever they want to say, they say. But see, that's not, that's not the way it should be for the child of God. And, and our marriages, we need to work on our marriages. Now, I don't have time to say a lot about that this morning, but that is so important that you not take each other for granted. That you understand that God has given you where you think, well, the devil gave me this, you know. <laughs> Rebuke that. No, God gave you the spouse that you have if you're married. And so take care of them, love them, respect them, honor them, and do the right thing. Pay attention to them. 
you know. Now, on the other hand, remember I talked about balance, what, what can happen, and Eddie and I have talked about this to one another over the years. It seems like people, you know, uh, they get married, then they have their children, and the next thing you know, they're not in God's house, they're not coming to church because they've got children. They've got to prioritize their family. That's not what I'm talking about. You bring them up in the house of God. You train them in that way because we'll see people that'll have children and, we, you know, we might see them once a month or, you know, and then it starts even less than that because they've got a family and they've got to take care of the children. Look, many people have raised children. I tell you what, if going, taking your, making your kids go to church was child abuse, I was really abused as a child. <laughs> I mean, I was in church every time the doors were open. I don't want to go to church, you know. Yes, you're going to church and you're going to sit there and shut up and be quiet. <sighs> you're kidding me. So the family opportunities, prioritize that. Then church, I've just alluded a little bit to that, but coming to church, prioritize that. And you're staying awake and, and not sleeping in your spiritual life. It's important because every time you come to church, you may think, well, I didn't really get much out of it today. Uh, uh, you know, but every time you come, whether you know it or not, God is making deposits. He's making deposits. He's making deposits. And also, he's using you to touch and reach someone else. Amen. And so not only just coming to church, but finding a place to serve in your church is very important. If the people who attend here regularly, I'm not talking to visitors or people that have not been here very long, but I'm talking to people that this is your church. Attend regularly and serve in an area. And we try to help people find a place where their gifting will be most utilized. And sometimes you don't know and you have to serve in different places until you get there. So in these necessary truths, taking advantages of our opportunities, the prioritizing is important for the family. It's important for the local church and for serving opportunities. Obadiah verse number 17 says, For up on Mount Zion shall be deliverance. Upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. Okay, what is that saying? There's a place of release, deliverance on Mount Zion. Mount Zion represents the local church. And on Mount Zion, there is release, there is rescue, there's escape, and there's freeing power that's in the house of God. Just like this morning, the people who responded down here in the front, I believe there was a release for them. I believe there was a rescue for them. I believe there was a freedom for them found this morning. But if they didn't come this morning, that wouldn't have happened. Amen. And then we are uh, need to prioritize and demonstrate Christ's love in life in every area. So many times we want to come to church and we compartmentalize God's love. And we put it here, but then we go home and we're nasty and ugly and mean and snappy. And then we go to the job and we don't have patience with people. We're unkind and all of that. But see, you can't com 
compartmentalize Christ's love. Prioritize that you're going to walk in love no matter where you are, no matter where you go, and no matter what takes place in your life. You're going to prioritize loving people the same way that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you when you're unlovely. He loves you when you do things you shouldn't do. He loves you when you say things that you shouldn't say. You see, when we talk about Christ's love, it's really benevolent love, and which means it's not earned. Someone didn't, well, now, if they treat me right, I'll love them. See, you're getting it all wrong. You need to prioritize walking in Christ's love in every area of your life, no matter where you are or what's going on. I understand that we all can lose it. That's what repentance is all about, isn't it? We repent when we lose it. And we don't treat people right. But then what do we do? We go back to walking in love. I'm just going to tell you, walk on the wild side. (laughs) You know what the wild side is? Walking in God's love. That's the wild side because some wild things can happen in your life. But I can tell you if you do it your way and, and you know, don't treat people right and you're ugly and nasty and mean in attitude, you're going to experience some things that you won't like. We all know that because we've experienced it, right? Then we need to prioritize not getting into pettiness in relationships. You know, I've had a few things in my life that have really brought perspective to me. What is important and what isn't? And many of you, the same thing has happened. You've had things happen in your life and it helped you to see all this stuff you thought that was important is not important at all. It's pettiness, and you get in relationships, and you get that strife and offense and all that stuff going, and you need to seize your opportunities, and if you get into pettiness, you will miss your opportunity because God's doing this great thing, but you're, here it is, the great thing, but you're back here in this little bitty thing, in this little bitty circle grubbing around. You know what? I'm not doing that. And if I get caught in it, I'm not going to get caught in a web. I'm going to get out. Using the blood of Jesus and confessing it. When you confess, you leave it and drop it and let it go. And then cut out the unnecessary. We need to cut out unnecessary things in our life. You know, I talked to many, many moms over the years. And um, there, there are things in your family uh, you know, that are important, you know, you got to take care of your home, you got to cook the meals, you got to, you know, have everybody's clothes, you know, you, you got all of that, but it doesn't mean that you have to get your kids in 15 sporting events where you're, everybody's running their legs off and you have no time for the important things in your life. So, Am I saying don't let your kids play sports? Of course not. Kids do good with sports. It's a good thing. It teaches them good skills, life skills. But don't, they don't need to be involved in everything. And that's the same way with us. We don't need to be involved with everything. We need to be involved with 
the necessary things, the things that are important to us and let the other things fall by the wayside. Can you say amen? amen? And so we need to take opportunities right now while we have the advantage that we have to live life, to be where we are in this time and allow God to do something in us and through us. I don't know about you, but I really mean this with all of my heart. I am not satisfied not doing what God's called me to do. And I'm not satisfied not bearing fruit. Are you? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.